Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to see you. We're glad that you are here today. As I just said to you, we are continuing a series called God on Film. And today, the the movie that we are uh, looking at is Jurassic World. And that movie actually is uh, about this guy who goes back and tries to recreate the past. And so, um, by the way, we're not endorsing any movies. We're just trying to take the theme of those and bring them to you and say, okay, this is what we can correlate the scripture to. And so this morning, as we talk about the past, that's where I want to kick off at. And I just want to say to you today that the past is never as good as you remember it. Would you agree with that? It's never as good as you remember it. Uh, Rhonda and I experienced this a while back. Uh, I don't know, she was grocery shopping uh, somewhere, and I was with her, like, I guess maybe Walmart or somewhere. And she said, you know, Jeff, what would you like to have? I'm like, whatever you want. She said, no, tell me something you really like. I said, you know what? I have not had fish sticks since I was a kid. You know where I'm going with this, right? I mean, the memory that I uh, fit, I mean, the memory that I had of fish sticks was I could remember eating ten of those things. They were just great. And so she said, "You know what? I haven't either." So she got a box of those fish sticks. And we took them home and threw them in the oven, you know, and whatever else she fixed with that. And I, I was like anxious about eating fish sticks again. Well, we got sat down and said the blessing and I took the first bite. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it was horrible. I can't describe it. It was horrible. But what I had remembered about that was not as good as it was. And so most of the time when we, you know, we talk about past in our church, we talk about all the bad stuff. But... I think we have to remember those things that we think were really good, really wasn't that good. And so that's what we want to talk about today as we roll this out. Matter of fact, it's been written, Stephen King said this, he said, a person always writes their past in fiction. In fiction. It's never like it seemed it was. It's never that way. It never was that good. And so I want to uh, share with you a point today that I hope that if you'll take this away, that it'll, it'll help you change your life. And so that is this. It's on your outline. And it says this. To move forward with God, I have to stop looking backward. Now, I'm going to uh, use this phrase several times today, but you have a part in this. I'm going to read the first part. I'm going to read the part that says, to move forward with God. And then where it says, I, I want you to do something. Ready? You know, this finger that you point out everybody else and say, you, you, you. I want you to take this finger when we say I, and then I want you to say, I have to stop looking backward. You ready? So let's practice. Out. Now, you got to do it out loud like you're awake. You ready? So here we go. To move forward with God. Oh, we almost dropped off at the end there. Well, let's try it one more time. You ready? Here we go. To move forward with God. I have to stop looking backwards. So you've got to remember that phrase, and it's on the top of your outline in case uh, you need some cheater notes as we go along. 
So how do I stop revisiting my past is a question that we want to talk about today. And as we talk about this, I want to take you on a journey. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe you haven't done in a long time. I want you to open up your mind and, and turn on your imagination. And I want you to see some pictures with me. We're going to visit a guy by the name of Moses today. And as we visit him, we're going to take a journey across the desert. And I can tell you that the places that we're going to experience today are going to be beyond what you can believe. And so today I challenge you in your mind to go ahead and, and put your robe on, put your little headband on, put your sandals on, and let's get tracking with Moses. Because here's what happens. Moses now has is, is been in the desert. He's been in the desert by himself for 40 years. You know, he just met his, his father-in-law, his wife and his, and his father-in-law were out there. He's met all those people. Now he's coming into, uh, back to, God has called him to go back to Egypt. Why is he going back to Egypt? Here's why. Because 400 years prior to that, the, the whole world was in a vast drought. It was bad. And there was a famine everywhere. So the only food that there was in the whole country, the whole, that part of the world, was in Egypt. And so the Jewish people started migrating back there, and the Egyptians were friendly to them because they had money to buy their food, and so they welcomed them in, and it was, a, it was a great partnership. They lived in harmony for a long time. But all of a sudden, a generation later, there come another king, another pharaoh, the Scripture teaches. He come on the scene, and he decided that, you know what, we got all these Jewish people here, and uh, why don't we make them slaves? And so sure enough, that's what began to happen. They made them slaves. And so they took everything away from them, and they, they treat them just like slavery with the whips cracking. It was horrible. And so in the process of that, 400 years, they became slaves to the Egyptians. But every day they would pray, the Jewish people would pray, God, God, please deliver us out of this, out of this slavery. God, come and deliver us. Save us, God, God. That was their prayer. And finally, God, in his timing, sent Moses there to deliver the people. Now, you got to hold on with me. Here we go. Here's where you want to put your robe on. Here's where you want you to put your hat on your sandals. God come down and done ten plagues among the Egyptians, convinced them that he was God, and eventually the Pharaoh said, okay, you can take these people and leave. So over 600,000 to a million people, Moses begins to lead out, of, out into the desert. Now watch this. This is what happens. As soon as they get out into the desert, the Pharaoh has a change of heart. The king of Egypt has a, a change of heart. He decides that he now, you know, remember, we're walking with Moses. We're walking in the desert. We're walking toward out into the middle of the desert. And as we're walking out, he decides, no, I want them back. And so he decides to pursue. No problem. We're walking. We're a couple of days ahead of him. Now, our problem is this, is that now we see that there's an army coming behind us. And there's a big sea in front of us called the Red Sea. So we can't get across. Now, are you picturing this with me? Here we are. There's a sea. We have nowhere to go. We can, the sea's in front of us. There's an army coming behind us. So the people begin to do something. They panic. So that takes us to our first point I want you to write down. Would you write this down? If we're going to stop revisiting our past, we have to choose prayer over panic. Look what happens to the people. Again, we're standing right at the Red Sea. Look what the people who just come out of Egypt are saying that you're hearing. This is what they say. Did we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? 
Let us serve the Egyptian. Now, this is what they're saying to Moses now, and you're hearing this. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, did you hear that? But remember, they had been praying for 400 years, God, deliver us. It's getting worse and worse. God, deliver us. And now they face one crisis. The Egyptians are behind, the Red Sea is in front, and they say it would have been better for us to go back. Remember how our memory does? Our memory lies to us, doesn't it? It says it's better in the past when it really wasn't. And so this is what I want to say to you today. You can never allow the unknown of your future with God to drive you back to the past, and that was the very thing that you asked God to deliver you from. Are you hearing me? Man, I'm talking about bad relationships. I'm talking about uh, bad experience, bad addictions, all of those things, because every time that you hit a roadblock, your mind will take you back to how it was better with this person, or it was better on these drugs, or it was better in this experience than what it really was. And that's just not true. So let's just look and see what happened here. Okay, so the people are complaining now. You're hearing this. Now listen how Moses answers. Moses answered the people. Would you read what's underlined with me out loud? You ready? Here we go. Do not be afraid. In other words, he was saying, don't panic. Just nudge your neighbor and say, don't panic. Don't panic. There we go. Don't panic. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance. Uh, You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Now, notice what's underlined here. The Lord will fight for you. You will only, uh, you need only to be what? Be still. That's right. You only need to be still. Why? How do you, how do you get still? He wasn't talking about like you don't move. He was talking about inside. And prayer, prayer is the one thing that helps you be still on the inside when you're not sure on the outside. Did you get that? When your circumstances aren't changing out here, prayer is a thing that helps you from going nuts, having a nervous breakdown. Prayer helps you to be still on the inside, and that is exactly what they were asking to do. Now, get the picture again. We're standing in the desert. Here we are. We got our robes on. You know, we got our sandals on. We're standing in the desert, and the Red Sea's in front of us. The army's behind us. What did God do? Here's what God did. God caused a fog to come down so thick that the army of the Egyptians could not move. They could not see their hand in front of their face, so they were paralyzed. And then God did something amazing that you and I are about to see. Now imagine this with me. We see in the sea, all of a sudden God causes the wind to come down. The wind comes down and it divides the sea. There's a wall of water on the left, there's a wall of water on the right, and in the middle there's a path, there's like a road that goes through that actually has been, the wind has blown so hard, it's dried that hard, it's hard mud. So you're not slushing around, it's hard, it's dried Georgia clay right there on the bottom of that uh, ocean, all right? Are you with me? Are you seeing it now? (laughs) A little red down there, isn't it? So so now here we go. We're walking through the water. We're walking through the ocean. It's up on the right. It's up on the left. There's this wall there, and it's being held back. And you and I, with all the children of Israel, are walking across that. Then we get to the other side, and we look back, and the fog has lifted. And now, all of a sudden, the Egyptians are on their way after us. But when the last person in our group comes across that sea, all of a sudden, God does something. He removes his hands. 
And when he does, the ocean crashes back down together. And guess what? It destroys the Egyptians' army. And God said you would never see them again because he killed them, because they were after his people. And so today, I want to give you something that when you're having one of those moments and you're tempted to panic instead of pray, I want to tell you something here. I want to give you God's phone number. How many of you would like to know what God's phone number is? Let me see. Okay, yeah, good. That's the majority of it. Now go ahead and get your phone out because you might want to put it in there, right? You might want to call him. Here it is. The Bible says this. It's Jeremiah 33 and 3, the verse. It's our memory verse today, and I call this God's phone number because look what it says. He says, would you read those first three words out loud and you'll understand. You ready? One, two, three. Call to me. Hello? God says, call to me. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, here we go, which you do not know. Now, let me ask you this question. When we're standing on the, in that desert, we're looking at the ocean, we're looking at the Red Sea, we're looking at the, the army behind us, did we know what was going to happen? No, no, no. But all of a sudden, we trusted God, God moved, and guess what? We did, we experienced a miracle. That's what God wants you to understand, that every time you get to one of those places in your life is that you hold on as an opportunity for God to move. So I would like to challenge you this week to memorize God's phone number, Jeremiah 33 and 3. If you will say, Pastor Jeff, I'm going to do my very best to memorize God's phone number, would you just check that little box on the back of your connection card so I can pray with you this week? Because you're going to need God's phone number, I can guarantee you. Okay. Now, remember the line that we opened up with. I said it's on the top of your outline. I'm going to test you and see how good your memory is. Remember my part. Remember your part. Remember, get your pointer finger ready. Here we go. It says this. To move forward with God. Hey, you're doing good. You're doing good. I'm going to stop looking backwards. Okay. That takes us to the second thing. The second thing that I would like you to write down is this, is when, you know, you want to stop revisiting your past is to trust God's provisions. Trust God's provisions. As we go back into our story, now remember, we, we're just looking at the sea, the Red Sea, looking at the army. God has just allowed us to walk right through the middle of that sea. We went on to the other side of that. The, the sea crushed our enemy kill them. And so on the other side of that sea, we're going, you go God, you go God, you go God, right? We're cheering God. But now we're a couple of weeks past that. And guess what? We're starting to get thirsty and we're starting to get hungry. And so now all of a sudden, again, we're t- how we got to trust God again. And we see the people around us who they've been praying, God, deliver us, deliver us from Egypt. All of a sudden now, we're starting to hear murmurs. They're starting to say, hey, you know what? Maybe it would have been better. Look what the Scripture says. Here we go. In in, uh, Exodus, it says this. Exodus 16. The Israelites said to them, again, talking to people like you and I and Moses, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in where? Egypt. Remember? Remember how our minds always says our past is better than what it really was? Now listen to what they're about to say here. There's a bunch of liars right here. Look at this. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we want. Bunch of liars. Listen, if it's that good, why was you begging God to get you out? Hey, hello, I mean, you hear what I'm saying? 
I mean, if, if Egypt was that good, why would they pray every day? God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. See, their mind said, oh, we got it bad. And whatever you're experiencing now, this bad makes yesterday look really good, doesn't it? But it's not good. And it wasn't good for them either. He goes on to say this. Look, the scripture says, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now we're standing beside Moses. How do you think that made him feel? Here you are. You brought us out here. You sorry, low-life person, you. But this is what God was doing. God was preparing to teach his people that they could depend on him. And he wants to teach you that as well. And this is what I want you to know. Okay, you ready? You don't get anything else. Get this. God's lesson that day was this. When they said, we have no food we have no water, we have nothing, you brought us out here to die. We have nothing, we have got to the end of ourselves. God wants you to know this, when you're down to nothing, always know that God is up to something. Oh, did you hear that? When you're down to zero, when you have no hope, when it looks like it's all over for you, when you're down to nothing, you always must know that God is up to something. So let's go right to the scripture and look what God was up to. Here, look what it says. In Exodus 16, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites complain. Now tell them, go eat worms and die. I'm sorry, that was Jeff's interpretation. (laughs) If I was God, that's what I would have told them. Go make some mud cakes. God didn't tell them that. It says this. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Now notice this, last part. This is for you today. Then, then you will know that I am the Lord what? Do you believe that today? Some of you sitting here today, when you're sitting here and you say, you know, well, I know that the Lord is Jeff's God. Some of you are saying, well, I know the Lord is my grandparents' God. I know the Lord is my best friend's God. But today God is saying to you, I am the Lord, your God. Your God. And no matter what you're going through, I've got this and I want to take care of you. I want you to listen to one of the stories of the people in our church of how God has provided for them. Hi, my name is Matt Seidlinger. I am Rhonda Seidlinger's husband. My wife is fighting ovarian cancer with every ounce of strength that she has in her body. Every person in this church and in this community are praying for my wife, myself, and my family. Let me tell you about the power of prayer. We have obviously incurred financial hardship in this three and a half year journey. We've been robbing Peter to pay Paul, opening some bills and ignoring others. Once our mortgage got involved in this scheme, It was only a matter of time before the walls literally did come crashing down. Enter Stockbridge Community Church. Tawny Keller 
and a couple other people made a few phone calls and some behind the scenes move and our mortgage was caught up to date. God saw a need and he provided. Praise God. Thank you. The story gets even better. Last Sunday at the 12 o'clock service, Pastor Jeff made his way to me, a warm, fresh handshake. He asked me how I was doing. I smiled and I said, I'm doing good. I told him that this church had been continuing to bless me for the last five months, once or twice a week with a meal for my family. He looked puzzled. He didn't even know about it. He had no idea. He smiled and said, that's the beauty of God's love when people do things because they want to and not because they feel there is a need. Again, God saw a need and he provided. I can never repay you for all the things you have done for my family, all the prayer, all the love, all the notes. I can only thank you from the bottom of my heart. And so I thank you very much. Thank you. Now that, my friends, is the power of love. God reached down into this man's home through you. And you, and you, and you. For the last five months, I had no clue. No clue. You know what makes a great church, a, a church, a great church? You know, it's one thing for me to get up here and say, okay, now we got a person in our church is hurting and we need to go do this. That's one thing. But it's another thing for people like you who take it on themselves to say, you know what, this person is hurting and we need to help them. And it's not, you don't wait till it gets organized, you just do it. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. For the last five months, at least two times a week, People have been making meals and taking meals over to their house while his wife fights for her life. And she's literally fighting for her life. I want to say thank you as well. And I want to say that God never forgets you. And the way that He always reaches out to you is usually through somebody else. And there, you know, you heard Chris say, tonight we're doing Discovering SEC and Becoming a Ministry Partner. Why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because of times like this. That's what makes a church a church is when people care about one another. And if you're on the fringes, you're going to be out there left alone. But when you get in and become a part, a ministry partner, then people get to know you and they care about you and they get to show it because your time will come that you're going to need. And some, we want someone to be there for you. God always provides. So how do I keep to from revisiting my past. Well, we pay, pray instead of panic. We trust God for the provisions. And that takes us to the third thing. And that is that we seek God's plan, not ours, God's plan. Now remember, as you're writing that down, we have just come across the Red Sea. Remember, we got our robes on, our, our, our turbans on, because it's hot in the desert. We just come across that. We're in a desert now, and we've just seen God provide uh, a man in the morning, bread in the morning. We've seen God provide quail in the afternoon, so we had bread and we had meat. We've even seen God make water flow from a rock. It's been a miracle after miracle. We've, this is the most amazing thing is that we've seen this as well. 
God, every night, he would lead us, and there would be a cloud of fire that would be in the sky, a ball of fire that would lead us to let us know that God's with us. During the day, there would be a cloud, a, a cloud that we could see that, God would, that God's presence was there, to, that he could lead us. Well, God's led us now for several years, and now we're at a mountain. It's called Mount Moriah. It's there, uh, right there in the, in the desert. There it is. And we're at, the, we're at the foot of this mountain. And as we're at the foot of this mountain, all of a sudden God calls Moses, our, the leader that we followed out. Now we followed our leader. You got the picture. We're out there. Now there's, there's 600,000 to a million of us out here at the bottom of this mountain, camped out. And God tells Moses to come up onto the mountain. And so the cloud that we used to sing, the fire that we used to sing, is up on the mountain with Moses. We can't see it anymore. But now the people... The people are getting uneasy. You know, picture this with me. All of a sudden, you know, people are starting to say, hey, where is he at? He's never coming back. They're starting to shout things like, you know what? Where is that Moses at? He's dead up there. He's no longer with us. And they start to do crazy things and demand crazy things. They said, you know what? We need a God that will lead us. We need a God that will take care of us. And they begin to yell and scream. And we're hearing all of this. You and me are hearing this. Look what the scripture says. In Exodus 32, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us what? Gods. Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? We just experienced, we experienced all of the miracle of God opening up the sea. We went through on dry ground. We watched him drown our enemies. We watched him send bread in the morning. We watched him send meat in the evening. We watched him make rock, uh, water come from a rock. We've seen all these miracles. But now, you know, two weeks into this, three weeks into this, that Moses is not with us and we don't see the cloud. All of a sudden, everybody says, there is no, he's not God. We need to make our own God. Because remember, in Egypt, in Egypt, they had many gods there. So you could just pick one out. It was like going and shopping for a Christmas present. You could just go buy your own God. And so this is what I want to tell you, my friends, is that God took those people across the desert 40 years to make a short journey. This is why. Because God, it was, God got them out of Egypt in one day, but it took him over 40 years to get the Egypt out of them. And many of us right now, God is trying to get the Egypt out of us. They want to go back to that. So what's happening now? All of a sudden, they see lightning up on the mountain. What's happening? God is up there right now. As they're saying, let's make an idol, guess what God's doing? God is writing out something in stone that you and I know. It's called the Ten Commandments. He's given Moses the Ten Commandments. Why? He's saying, I want you to give these to my people to teach them so that they can, they can have a prosperous life. So that they'll know how to live and survive as society and as people. I want you to give them them. And while God is doing something that would shape history, they're down here turning their back on him. Why? Because that's our temptation, isn't it? You see, what I want to say to you is this. God was giving him another book. And many of you sitting here today, you say, you know what? In my life, I've had this little issue. So I just need to turn the page in my life. Some of you are saying, you know what? I just need to start a new chapter. 
in my life. Well, I'll tell you what, in some situations in your life, you don't need to just turn the page. You don't need to go to a new chapter. You need to close the book. And that's what they had to decide to do is that we got to close the book on Egypt. We're not going back anymore. You know, they, they said, we're going to make a calf. And when Moses come down with those Ten Commandments, he said, listen, you've got to choose. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to go back to Egypt. But for me, I'm going on with God. And I challenge you today to make that decision. I challenge you to make that decision. Look at what the Bible says in Exodus 32. It says this. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of of the covenant of the law in his hand. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of who? Come on, shout out, of who? They were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. What was God doing? God was saying this, okay, the problem is this, is that you've been so worried about your outcome, but I want to change your attention. God was saying this to you and this way, saying it to those people, and this way he says to you today and me. If you will work on when Moses come down with those Ten Commandments, God says, this is my law. I want you to get it down. I want you to memorize it. I want you to get it down. And what God was saying was this. If you will work on your input, what you put into your heart, if you put my word in your part, in your heart, I'll take care of the outcome. Did you hear that? If you work on the input, what you're putting into your heart and your mind, if you work on the input, then I will take care of the outcome. That was God's promise to them, and that's God's promise to you. Is you take care of the input, I'll take care of the outcome. And you don't have to worry about it. Today, if you're not a Christ follower, then friend, you're out there all by yourself. There's not a promise for you. It's only for those that's made Jesus the Lord and the Savior of his life. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here, and maybe you haven't ever done that, taken that step, you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you prayed the prayer when you was a child, but you're not a Christ follower. Well, on your outline, there's a prayer. It says, a prayer to become a Christ follower. This is a guide for you. And you don't need me to make you stand up, raise your hand, come down here. You just pray it. You mean it in your heart. And sometimes, if you'll do it before this service is over, I ask you to check it on the back of your card. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower, so I can pray for you. And I can pray for you. That takes us to the fourth thing. The fourth thing. But do you remember what we talked about earlier? Remember what I said? To move forward with God, I... Oh, you don't forgot already, haven't you? Try it again. It's on the front of your outline. You've got to flip it over. You ready? One more time. To move forward with God, I have to stop moving backwards. Number four is this. Replay God's promises. If you're going to keep revisiting your past or stop revisiting your past, it's not enough just to pray when you panic. It's not enough just to trust God for His provision. It's not just enough just to see God's plan, but we have to replay God's promises. Replaying God's promises. You see, most of us in this room have an issue. The problem is, is that we rehearse our fears and replay our failures. Most of us in this room, that's all we do. We rehearse the things we're scared of and we replay our failures. But if you're going to succeed, God wants you to replay His promises. Notice what God said after He come down the mountain. He gave Him the Ten Commandments. He said, it's time for us to go forward. And He had given them a promise. He had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which was their grandparents. He gave them a promise that He was going to give them a land. Look what it says in Exodus 33 and 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people, you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised 
on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. How did they, how did they know? Because for generations they had been rehearsing the promise, rehearsing the promise, rehearsing the promise of God. And God's given some of you some promises. Some of you sitting here, you know that you were in a difficult time and you felt in your heart that God had promised you something and yet you haven't seen it yet. And I would just say this, quit rehearsing your fears and quit replaying your failures and receive and rehearse the promise of God. It's going to happen. Just hold on. It's going to happen. See, we have a vision as this church. About 15 years ago, God gave me a vision. He made me a promise. God promised that this church would grow and that it, would, it would influence hundreds of people. And I saw in my heart a vision of hundreds of people coming together on the Lord's Day and worshiping and connecting with God spiritually. I saw also in that vision of hundreds of people that in these neighborhoods all around our community, that there would be a connect group, that we would connect with one another, and people would have good, strong spiritual relationships, friendships that would last a lifetime. I've seen hundreds of those. And I cannot tell you that through this summer, we already have over 200 people that are signed up, adults, 200 adults signed up in our connect group. That's just amazing. It's amazing. But what God also showed me was this, that our children, that He would save our children and our grandchildren and their children. And God showed me this, that when we grow in God's character, that our children would have an edge, that they would be prosperous and successful because there would be people of character. You see, like a diamond ring. We look at a, a diamond ring, and we look at a lady who has a big diamond ring on, and, you know, it's all setting up with all those nice prongs. It looks beautiful. But let me tell you something. If those little prongs that are holding that diamond up are no good, then the ring is no good. Why? Because if, that's, if those prongs break, the diamond falls and gets lost. And that's what our character is like. Our character supports who we are. And it makes us into the people that God wants us to be. And so we believe in growing in God's character. We're passionate about that. We're passionate about serving in God's church and giving people a hand up instead of a hand out. This guy that gave his testimony, it was a hand up, it wasn't a hand out. Gee, that's why when you walk in, come into the parking lot, people that are greeting there, that are, that are shaking hands, and people that are working in the nursery, that are working with our students, that are ushers and greeters, and, and serve their church in any way, are giving a hand up, because we believe in serving in God's church. We also believe in sharing God's message. God gave me the vision that there would be hundreds of people that would do that, and then we would share God's message. You know what? In our community, we're all afraid that our schools are going to go to pot. That's what we're all afraid of. You know what? It doesn't, as adults, we don't really care about, you know, our concerns. It's about our kids that we care about. And how do we do that? God gave me a vision. And he showed me that the way that our schools are going to be great and the reason that this area is going to be sought out more than any other in our county is because we are going into our schools. And we are going in with our Good News Club. Do you know that we have about 70 kids each year that, that join the Good News Club? They volunteer. This is in the elementary age group after school program where we teach the Bible once a week. And do you know that lives are changing there? Do you know that we see kids all the time that have, they never get a hug from anybody else, but they get a hug from somebody that day? Do you know that we have families that come to this church for one reason, that their kids went to school and after school they went to that program and they received hope, they received love, and their kids said, Mommy, Daddy, we have to go. And now families have come to Christ. 
Why? Because we believe that the way that we're going to change our schools is we have to get in there with the good news. And guess what? In the middle school, we have over 15, last, last year we had over 15 people that were mentors in the middle school that had three students apiece. That means almost 100 kids were being mentored by people from this church. We were going to that. We don't, see, we don't sit around and say, they ought to do something and they ought to do something. Somebody should do that. No, we know that God's called us. It's our vision to reach this next generation. Listen, you can look at yourself and you say, well, this world's going to not us. We say, no, we're going to reach these kids. They need hope. They need life. The world has given them everything that it can give them through the internet. And, and it can't find hope. It can't give them peace. But we have peace and we have life and we have Jesus Christ. And they're finding meaning. They don't find meaning in porn. They don't find meaning, meaning in social media. They find meaning in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And God has called us to be a church that goes and shows them the light. Amen. Amen. God's called us. God's called us. We are called and we will respond. God's called us to be mentors. We've called it on the soccer field. We're to, you know, God's called some of you to be coaches. You're good at sports. God's called you to be a coach on the soccer field, not so that you can go have a winning team and make them practice uh, seven days a week. Hello? Not so that you can kill them and, and have your little trophy and says, oh, we're the best. No, you're to be a mentor. You're to be a light. And if you're going kicking and screaming and cussing everybody out, you're not a light. You're a curse. Oh, I don't know who you said that for, Pastor, but that was a good one. <laughs> Hello. When everybody else is raising sand in the stands, we stand up for Christ. We're light. Hello. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is calling us. He needs you. He needs me. Whatever arena you're in, to reach back 20 years and take somebody by the hand and say, come on, I'll show you the way. I'll go with you all the way. God, is our, God wants to do something supernatural through you and in you. We have a vision as a church. We will not let this, we will not let this generation go. We will not give up. We will stand in prayer. We will stand in faith and we will show the way. We will model the way and we will lead the way to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may not believe that. Look at this face right here. It believes it. You know why? Because I was one of those. And what God did for me, he wants to do for everybody else. And what he did for you, he wants to do for everybody else. We cannot quit. Would you go ahead and stand with me? I'm about to go on overtime here. I know, I know it's serious now. My head's sweating. In Isaiah 43, God says this. Whenever you're over your head, I'll be there. When you go through the rough waters, I will, you will not drown. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God. And that's what He wants you to know today. Don't you give up. Don't you turn back. Don't you turn around. I don't care how much your mind said it was better then. It is not. It's forward with God. Forward with God. Our prayer partners are going to make their way down. This morning as we pray. Today I pray that you will make that your prayer. God, I want to go forward with you. And if you like one of these guys to pray with you, they're here to do that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today, today we move on in faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us, oh God. And Lord, that we'll be the church you've called us to be. God, it's not about us. It's about our kids and grandkids, oh God, who need us. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll touch every person here today. 
And that God, today, they will understand that you are with them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.